0: It's 11.30 so we'll get started. Uh, thank you all for uh, joining this session. Uh, we had a very profitable session uh, last Sunday as we looked at uh, the aspects of mental health and last Sunday we were looking at the manifestations uh, of, uh, uh, of mental illness and what does it look like. So that's a, that's, that, that's a secular view, that's, that's how it is um, coming across on the front, right? But what we're going to do today uh, is to get a biblical understanding uh, on mental health um, in fact we were reminded today in scripture also as we were um, uh, through the message love the lord your god with all your heart your mind and your strength and this whole being and there's going there's a design aspect to it and we're going to get a glimpse of that design and what a what a joy what a privilege that we get to know the real design rather than cooking up something uh, or uh, some other secular philosophies, and then end in a trap that really does not uh, yield any result or benefit, right? So, with that in mind, uh, just a few uh, hygiene uh, parameters. Um, I have sent the Google form yesterday. I've just kind of sent it again now. Uh, so, if you have any questions as you uh, go through those, uh, please um, uh, feel free to input your questions. That's number one. Number two. Um, we are going to give Dr. Ashok a freedom to cover a session in uh, calmness and uh, he, he doesn't need to hurry to uh, wind it up because we have extended this session uh, or towards next Sunday too as I shared yesterday. Uh, so uh, there will be a dedicated Q&A session and maybe based on those questions, uh, Dr. Ashok might just craft a, a, a short presentation based on uh, some of the common uh, questions that we have. So uh, that's a little bit of the summary. Uh, You're also uh, free to uh, put in your questions on chat. You can either uh, do it through me um, and then I can also ask the questions on behalf if you have about 10 minutes uh, in the session. Otherwise we'll uh, push it off for next week. So with that in mind, I'll just uh, start off with a word of prayer and then I will hand it over to Dr. Ashwin. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for uh, the time that we could remember you. We could remember what you have done for us, um, what a great sacrifice and uh, what you have purchased for us has given us so much of freedom, um, has given us joy, has given us liberty. And we thank you once again for that work on that cross uh, because of whom we have um, access to this throne room and we thank you Lord, for reminding us of us as the church today. Uh, the very fact that we are your bride, that we are the body, um, and Lord, that we all have purposes to play, and we pray, oh God, that uh, we would recognize those purposes and um, build each other up. And Lord, even as we hear the session, um, we Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see your design. And Lord, in all areas that you would call us to, we pray that we would build one one another up. Uh, towards love and good deeds Lord and, and spur one another and just pray that you would encourage one another and especially for many who might be uh, going through difficult circumstances we pray O oh God that we would see it from the right perspective to know that you are uh, building us and making us into the likeness of your son. We want to hand uh, Dr. Ashok over to you and just pray that you would strengthen him uh, give him all the words by the unction of your Holy Spirit uh, to speak to us and receive what you have for us. For we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Over to you, Dr. Shuk.
1: Amen. Thank you, Liju. I'll just put my PPT on. All right. So, <clears throat> today's uh, session, as Liju very rightly introduced it, uh, I'm focusing on trying to help us to understand mental health more from a biblical perspective. And so we'll have a lot of scripture here. Uh, I hope it isn't too overwhelming. And uh, I'm I'm assuming that most of you are very familiar with scripture so that it should be easy for you to follow. Uh, I've tried to put everything in a sort of a logical point form. So it's more like a teaching rather than it's not a, uh, you know, preach or a sermon. And I hope uh, we can all learn together through this. So uh, just to review the big picture of uh, what we did last week uh, was to look at how uh, mental disorders are broken up generally. This is like a short summary. It's a brief thing which will give you, you know, there's a whole range of mental illnesses. So, the common ones are what we are more familiar with and uh, where we have depression, anxiety and addictions. Uh, and the severe ones, uh, which are more psychotic, what is called psychotic. Earlier, this was divided as neurotic and psychotic. But now, we use severe mental and common mental disorders uh, where uh, you know schizophrenia and bipolar are the more... Um, challenging ones, which require mode of medication, whereas uh, the common mental disorders, most of them, though medication is used, is not necessarily a lifelong medication. Uh, there is something called talk therapy or psychotherapy, different words are used, uh, which help um, to reduce or deal with those issues. And... Uh, under anxiety is one of the commonest things which is multiplying now we have this generalized anxiety, panic disorder, phobias, OCD and so on. Now these mental disorders, uh, some of the common symptoms which we are all familiar with and I just want you to focus on some of these words like fear, worry, anxiety and these are Many of them are related to stress as well now in our modern context. Um, sad mood, depression. That's why the word depression itself is, uh, you know, depressing means going down. So, it's uh, that word is talking about you feeling low uh, is a common word that you understand. And then the more challenging ones like uh, when you're suspicious or violence, agitation, Uh, and these are what we call the psychosis, okay? So, most of these uh, symptoms that we uh, know have been uh, put into some order in uh, something called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is published in the U.S., And they mostly give detailed descriptions of behaviors and give them labels. So these are some of the labels that are used. Generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, agoraphobia, fear of public spaces), acrophobia, fear of heights, PTSD, and so on. The thing for us to realize that these are not real diseases in the term of understanding as a disease. These are descriptions of a cluster of symptoms that are there and a pattern of behavior and which are put together, organized and given a particular title. So, I mean, it's not a big deal saying that, oh, I am suffering from GAD or SAD or agoraphobia. No, these are only clusters of symptoms. It's not a, a peculiar separate disease as such. We must be clear about that. Like. The the physical diseases, if you say diabetes is directly linked to uh, certain hormones being not there and the blood sugar not being controlled and so on. And cardiovascular diseases, a whole range of them are there. So those are specific uh, diseases where you have specific reasons and causes have been discovered within the body itself related to hormones and so on. But most of the mental disorders there's no real direct connection to this specific thing causes that. And so uh, all mental disorders are a little different from our physical disorders. And it's important for us to realize that. uh, That there's no, this one medicine which will treat this one disease, there's no direct correlation. There are certain, you know, hormonal conditions which can cause mental confusion. And of course, there are Chemicals, we know, uh, drugs which can affect your brain, and uh, things like uh, tumors and you know trauma to the brain. Um, Those things are physical conditions which can affect your mental. But those are very small compared to overall mental disorders. We are not talking about those physical conditions. We are talking about the general mental and the uh, how we understand it. Now to understand this. Uh, you know, there are perspectives. Our perspectives on understanding these symptoms and interpreting is based on our worldviews. Okay. And I'll just introduce briefly. uh, I hope you've heard this term. I don't know. Some people have heard. Some have not heard. Uh, But you know, worldviews try to answer seven basic questions. So it's a it's a perspective, it's a sort of a, maybe, we'll go through this, you'll understand it. Like, these are the questions it tries to answer. What's the origin? What's the nature of ultimate reality? What is the origin and nature of man and his relation to others? The origin and nature of creation and relations with man? The purpose and end of history? And the nature of good and evil? The meaning and purpose of work. So, these questions, when the particular worldview tries to answer it in a particular way, and so they are clustered as various worldviews, and this is a sort of general definition of a worldview, a set of assumptions that we hold. And many of these assumptions we develop as we are growing up in our culture. So, it can be consciously or unconsciously, in faith, about the basic makeup of our world and how the world works. Okay, So, all of us have a worldview. Uh, It's not necessarily something that you consciously develop. You can, unconsciously you develop a worldview, then you can consciously, as you read and study and uh, even say, go into the world, your worldview will change as time passes. And these are three, there are three basic worldviews. There are lots of others, but just look at these three basic ones to help you to understand. Animism is uh, what is usually linked with tribal religions, where it's mainly related to spirit and worship, that all of reality is related to uh, spiritual reality. Uh, biblical theism is uh, what the Bible tells us and what we believe in. And secularism is a modern scientific materialism, which is developed actually after the uh, people came to know about the Bible and, you know, we had Charles Darwin, the evolutionary theory and so on, when they postulated for the first time in the world that there is a possibility of the world existing without a creator. You know, before that uh, 18th century, no one ever thought that the world could exist without a without a God. I mean, even the Greeks and all the different uh, 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 nations have their own understanding. All of them had gods. Uh, There was never a time when there was uh, so-called atheistic philosophy, but this is a very modern thing. Now, this secularism is uh, what has infiltrated most of modern scientific materialism. You know, the uh, the educational... uh, Um, universe where we go and get educated now is mostly Western and which is very secular which means we don't have uh, the idea of God coming in in most of our topics nor is it linked back to God and so even when we learn in school and college and so on uh, we have this dual you know the sacred and the secular uh, because that's a way that we have grown up. We go to school, college or work and we put that as secular. And when we go to church on Sundays or you're involved in Bible study and all that's uh, spiritual. And a lot of times there's no connection between the two. They are two separate compartments in our head. And uh, we need to break that to understand reality according to scripture. So when it comes to ultimate reality i'm just answering two of the questions which will help us as we go on to understand the design uh, so animism says reality is only spiritual so all tribal people who worship only spirit gods you know the god of the tree and the flower and the um, god of the tiger and uh, tiger is a spirit and all of the everything is spiritual uh, secularism says reality is only physical so The spirit is not involved at all and there's no God. And biblical theism says reality is personal, not just a power, okay? The Bible doesn't say God is just a power which is vague and just a spirit. But he's a person who interacts with us and and he has a name and he deals with our emotions and he's intellectual, he also has emotions and he feels, he has compassion, he can love. All that is there as part of our understanding. And so, when it comes to man, animism focuses again on a spirit. So, all the types of worship that we have in Hinduism and even in tribal is more trying to appease a spirit. That's the type of worship that you have. Uh, Secularism, there's no God. So, man is just another animal, a higher level of animals called and they're classified as homo sapiens. Uh, So, you I mean, the picture there shows the mouth and the stomach. So it's a very material understanding about human beings. Whereas the Bible tells us we are made in God's image, a living soul with a heart and a mind. And this is important as we get into mental health. So when it comes to understanding mental illness, if you are from an animistic background, which is most of the tribals and in rural areas also, Any mental illness or bizarre type of behavior is linked back to spirits. And so the way for treating is to get rid of the spirit. You have to have a shaman or a witch doctor or whoever it is to come and cast the spirit out for this person to get well. Um, The secular, because the spirit is not involved, it's only something to do with the mind or the brain. That is why even the word we are using is mental. Now what is mental? We say mental is related to the mind. What is a mind? And what's the difference? The mind is, it's all our thoughts and emotions and everything come as part of mind. This is different from the brain. Now, the brain is the organ, which helps us to actually have these thoughts and inter, interact with the physical world, right? So, the difference between the brain and the mind, really. So, mind is still an abstract thing that we have. It's not material we call it mental illness and bible talks about the heart that and we look more into that it's that uh, it's related to the heart and the spirit so that orientation towards god is important when we look at mental health from a biblical perspective so to understand this further now we will look at the design and for design and finding the root issues, we have to go back to Genesis, right? So, Genesis is where creation starts. And so, we know this scripture and it's very important the way it is recorded for us in Genesis 1. And God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Okay? So, very clear. It's an us who wants to create an image-bearer. And secondly, it's mentioned, they will reign over. So, the purpose of creating human beings was to reign over the rest of creation, right? And it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female created them. So, image and likeness are the two key words you'll notice in Genesis 1. And so, what is the implication of this? A lot of times we don't fully understand this. So, I put a few things together here. First of all, it says the image of God, it says, let us. And so, the triune God is involved in this process. Of course, it is not all very clearly seen in Genesis 1, but when you take the Bible as a whole, uh, we all know that, Uh, doctrine of the Trinity, and though the word Trinity is not used, uh, people have discovered it, because in Genesis 1, we have uh, God speaking, and we have the Spirit hovering over the waters, and then you go to John 1, where he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and so on, and uh, New Testament tells us that everything was created by Jesus, and so we have this triune God and uh, the way the dialogue says, he's let us. So the we part is important. So if we are created in the image of God, primarily we have to be relational because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit uh, relate to each other. Those two references, if you see, 17 um, is when, I mean, this is the evidence that we have in scripture where the father is speaking to the son. And that's the time of his baptism. Before the son has done a single task, before he has healed a person, before he has preached a word, the father speaks in public and appreciates his son and says, this is my son in whom I delight. You know, He's enjoying that relationship. So, it tells us something about the nature of the relationship between the father and the son. Of course, Jesus himself Talks a lot about that. Uh, And uh, the second reference is uh, Luke 10, is when Jesus himself, this is, by the way, this is the only reference where Jesus himself is mentioned, where Jesus is full of joy and joy in the Father and the Spirit. So all three of them as a community are enjoying themselves in that relationship. And second thing is the character of this God, Triune God, we know is humility that's a core characteristic according to what Jesus said in Matthew 10:29 I am meek and lowly and of course one John talks about love, we know God is love, the origin of love uh, and these other there are many characteristics faithfulness, compassion and so on. So this is the character and this uh, is the way that we know this triune God is. And so when it talks when we come back to human beings, Therefore, we are meant to receive our identity from the creator. This is an important thing. When we were created, our identity came from the creator. We were meant to be image bearers. So it starts with being plural. That means community. We were also created for relationships. And so relationships are very key for our normal functioning. Secondly, we are meant to be dependent. (coughs) And... Uh, because God is the one who has created us. So, the idea of sonship is there in this image bearers. And you can see that also in families, when children who are born to you are created in the image of the father and the son. So, the same image bearing um, creativity is given to human beings. So, that we are also like that, you know, the same way that we are created in the image of God, our children are created in our image and so on. That's the way God has designed us, uh, and to be dependent on the parents as long as they're children. And then the purpose is also mentioned where um, God says to be fruitful, multiply, and so on, and fill the earth and to reign over. So the purpose is stewardship. He wanted image bearers, his own image bearers, uh, to rule over the rest of the earth. So it's a. a We are meant to rule, but not as rulers in the sense we are not owners. Ownership of the world belongs to God, but we are meant to be stewards and to live by every word. Uh, This uh, Matthew 4.4 is where Jesus is quoting it. He is quoting it from Deuteronomy 8.3. is revealed in, in the law itself that the design is for us to receive revelation from God and to live according to that. We are not supposed to live independently. This is the origin. Uh, also, some other aspects of identity which we received from Genesis 1 is dominion. So, human beings are given authority over creation, a delegated authority, and therefore, the purpose there is, as stewardship, like I said, is thy kingdom come. It's for bringing the kingdom of God on earth. We were meant to rule over the earth as his stewards, bringing God's kingdom here on earth. Secondly, the relationship with God, there was an intimacy with God and with the other. So, you know, Genesis chapter 2, it talks about being naked and unashamed. That's the trust relationship between man and woman. And the, the dialogue and joy of communion with God every day coming down, talking to God, uh, talking to man, man talking to God, that intimacy was there. And so you find uh, a behavior which is governed by love and obedience. Or, you know, we talk about the trust and obedience, trust and obey, that's the only way and so on. So loving God, loving your neighbor and being obedient to whatever you receive from God, that is our identity. So there are three basic areas of humans. We are meant to be revelation receivers. We are meant to be meaning makers. We need purpose because we are made in the image of God and we we keep interpreting and trying to make meaning. That is something that is very essential for us. And thirdly, we are worshippers, worshippers in the sense we are created to worship God and to have that relationship with My God. God. And so that is part of what we are. Human beings worship, uh, you know, it's not what we, the question is what we worship. All human beings will worship something because we are meant to be worshipers. So keep some of these things in mind when we go on ahead. Then the structure in Genesis 2 talks about, you know, uh, God making man from the dust of the earth and then blowing his spirit into it. So, you are embodied souls. He says, the word there is, you became, and man became a living soul. The Hebrew word there is nefesh. So, spirit and um, dust together creating these embodied souls. That is what we are meant to be. Uh, and that is reflected also in Jesus. Uh, Jesus is like the second Adam. Uh, when he talked about the father is in me, and the father and I are one. So, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus. So, Jesus was functioning in a body, but inside him, his body was his Father and the Spirit. So, they were functioning together. And Jesus said, all the work that I do is not my own, is what the Father tells me to do. The words that I speak are not my own, is what the Father tells me to do. So, you see, this is a practical outworking of what we saw earlier, that we are meant to be revelation receivers. Jesus was a revelation receiver. On earth, he was receiving revelation from the Father. He was speaking the words. He was receiving words from the Father and he was speaking it out to human beings. And he is our ideal of what a human being should be. right? So, it's a union, uh, which is what we were meant to be with the spirit of God inside us and our bodies and functioning together as a we and not an I. So, who are we? Physically embodied, relationally embedded image bearers of the living God. That's one way of understanding it. And we have a spirit or a heart or soul, those are the words that are used, and body which are fully integrated. You can't separate these two. One affects the other, the spirit affects the body, the body affects the spirit and so on. Mm -hmm. And this is the word, it's a Hebrew word, we know this word, though it's just translated as peace, but it means much more than that. It's talking about wholeness, completeness, wellness, perfection and peace. And this is the condition in which human beings were when we were created in that relationship with God and with others. So to explain this a little bit more it's about universal flourishing wholeness and delight and the way things ought to be there's a joy in relationship with the holy trinity with the physical world with the human race with families couples friends and individuals gratitude is a response to undeserved kindness and delight in joys of the physical world this is all part of shalom so a relational understanding of shalom is the right relationship to god a right relationship to yourself, understanding of who I am, my identity. And therefore, then it goes on to a relationship with others, loving your neighbor, and of course, stewarding creation. All these four dimensions are a relational understanding of Shalom and what we were meant to be. And this Shalom is the ideal of how we should have been. But we all know what happens in Genesis chapter 3, and the entrance of sin into the world. And there is a distortion of the image. So, what are some of these consequences we can see? First of all, the broken image is no longer we, it becomes an I. You see, even when God comes and he's asking, Where are you? You know, he's asking Adam, and they've hidden away from God. And he says, You know, he starts blaming his wife is no longer the we, the we is got separated. That union has been broken. And so in Genesis three, we notice all these things happening. Um, There is shame, there is guilt, there's blaming, there's hiding, the loss of the union. So those three key words which I put over there, loss of self-worth, your own identity has been lost because it was linked with God, that separation has created that loss. Loss of security, because God is no longer there. Or even significance, because your purpose suddenly, because your separation from God has resulted in these three things. And they chose to become independent creatures, you know. And because you are meant to be sort of worshippers, instead of deriving our identity from God, we started deriving their identity from the surroundings, from the creation. In fact, Ephesians 2 2 says, We become slaves of the evil one. He is a spirit at work in the children of disobedience. Right? And uh, so, this is unfortunately the situation in which we are after the fall. As a consequence of that, what happens? Loss of authority. Or dominion, dominion means authority and dominion along with that means control. So now you're out of control. And so when you're out of control, there is fear. Right? Fear governs behavior. So fear is so common, something that we all experience. They said a lot of times, babies don't have fear, but as they grow up, they learn more and more fears. And we teach them what to fear. Um, There's lack of intimacy. Because you've lost that relationship with God. And so there's a restlessness. And there's a loss of joy. And there is shame because we are all the time aware of what other people think and what will they say to us. There's a constant search for meaning and purpose. That is looking for, you know, significance. There's a lack of contentment. This... This gap, it's, a, it's what people call a God-shaped vacuum in us. We are all the time looking. And the default mode has become, because God is not in the picture, it's about me and my kingdom. My kingdom come. Self-centeredness or self-orientation rather than, you know, God-centeredness and uh, oriented to a community, a we. And so that's a state in which we are now in the fallen world. And of course, we know the effect on creation. So, the whole of creation has been affected by the fall. Uh, the three words mentioned in Romans 8, Paul is talking about it futility or frustration, there is decay, and there is groaning. So, things have happened to us, our image, and things have happened to the world. And as a consequence, we find and this is what Ephesians 2, I mentioned this earlier, he says, You used to live in him, sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our nature subject to God and so on. So here, the key word here is that in a sinful state, we are under the control of the devil. Devil is also called as a ruler of this world. And you know, what is the character of the devil? Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, you can read that. He says, number one, he's a liar. So, he is used to deception and deceiving people. That's the main thing that he does. Number two, he's a murderer. He likes to kill, steal and destroy. And number three, he's an accuser. And so, he is a spirit at work. And that is what we experience in this world. Uh, lies, deception, you know, cheating, corruption, all that is part of the world that we live in because this world is under the evil one. And those of us who, when we are not, you know, come to Christ, we follow the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But we know because of Christ, of course, we are set free from The dominion of sin, but the indwelling part of sin is still there within us. And that is, we need to overcome that on a daily basis. It's a lifelong process of sanctification that we go through. And so, now we can understand the reason why all human beings seek these three things. Self-worth or identity, security, trust, and significance and purpose. Now, you can seek these things in the world. We can either seek them in God, which is ideal, because we are meant to seek it from God. But most of the time, we seek it from the world. And because of the secular, sacred split in which we have been trained, a lot of the times, these things we also seek in the world and not in God. We say we are children of God, but we are still seeking for... um, People to give feedback to make us know who we are uh, in others, you know, from others. Looking for um, acceptance, respect, uh, feedback and affirmation from other people uh, is something that we keep looking for and that keeps ruling our heart instead of focusing on the Lord. So, now this is a fallen situation in which we are. Now, we somehow manage within that, whether you are a Christian or non-Christian, you manage to function within that, which is not obviously the ideal situation which God has designed. But for those who are not able to cope with all these negative effects, these are some of the consequences, issues related to the loss of dominion, control and security. You have fears, anxieties, phobias, panic attacks, obsessive-compulsive disorders, all these. Issues related to lack of significance and self worth, depression, hopelessness, lack of trust, mood disorders, desires to control others, suicidal behaviors, self harm, addictions. And this is uh, what, in a secular world, we will put this under the category of mental illness. Okay. So, from biblical understanding, we see it is loss of our identity, true identity. And it's both a spiritual uh, and uh, emotional, you know, soul problem that we are facing. In fact, interestingly enough, the people who identified this uh, were a group of people many years ago in the 16th, 17th century called the Puritans. And uh, they talked about the cure of the soul. Uh, They were the first Protestant school of biblical counseling. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have too much of uh, their writings, but it is still available. If you go uh, and check on Google, you can find some of these guys like John Owen and Richard Baxter and all these. They talk a lot in detail about the soul and sin and the effect on people. Uh, In fact, uh, they have sophisticated diagnostic case books, uh, hundreds of different personal spiritual condition. and John Owen was representative when he taught that every pastor must understand all the various cases of depression, fear, discouragement, and conflict that are found in the souls of men. And the depression section largely deals with people whose despair arises from guilt. And from a low self image. So, Puritans call this condition as accusation, in which the conscience and the devil attack the person over his failures and sins. And they even have different types of pathologies of the conscience numb conscience, wounded conscience, seared conscience, overscrupulous conscience. Also, words like, you know, which is there in scripture. Hard, hard, heart versus a soft heart. You know what do those things mean for us in the twenty first century? Very difficult because we don't use those terms and we don't understand what it means. We shift instead from heart to mind and the effects of what happens. Right. Uh, so if this is the issue, then big, biblically, what brings change? The knowledge of the true God and the position Christ identity. See, identity in Christ is... Now, we talk about identity in Christ and we talk about sonship and all that. But many times in practice, we don't function as true sons of God. We quickly get into the slave mentality where we need other people and other things to... which tend to rule us. And that's a a lot of this we, we do in biblical counseling. We try to unravel that the effect of idols, idol worship for all of us. You know, when we replace God with uh, something else, it could be a desire also, a, a good desire. When it becomes a ruling desire, it becomes an idol which can control our behavior. So, knowing our identity is very good. In fact, uh, Paul Tripp says, the problem with a lot of us is we have identity amnesia. We forget who we are in Christ and so then we take on a secular identity and we we function because you are in an environment and culture which is very secular very easy to be influenced by our culture and uh, so then what happens is perception about ourselves our self worth significance and our ability to control our lives you know is gone this is replaced when we truly understand who we are in christ And, uh, you know, when Christ truly becomes the first command, the greatest command that Jesus said, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, is actually the core thing, the way that we should be functioning. But though we know it in theory, in practice, a lot of times we fall short of that. And so John 8.32, where Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free from these things. Uh, releasing from the bondage of darkness is moving from fatalism to a proactive stance. You know, fatalism is a philosophy of the world. Or even in the cultures here in India where you say, you know, what can we do? It's our fate. Or Muslims call it kismet. Uh, and the Hindus call it karma. And we say, you know, we can't do anything about it. Because it's already written. You know, and those are all uh, from a non-Christian worldview. And we are often influenced by this culture which, and we start thinking in the, you know, there is Christian fatalism also, where you start thinking that, you know, God has ordained that I will be like this for the rest of my life type of thing. Instead of having joy, you end up in depression. Uh, so, when we understand who we are in Christ and understand the truth that scripture gives us, that sets us free from many of the bondages. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, It talks specifically about Christ who came to set us free from the fear of death, from he who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to set all of us who are his brothers and sisters free from the fear of dying. Okay, So our knowledge, our intimacy with Christ and our entity is what makes a difference for us. And so scripture tells us that human beings all live out of what is the heart. Now, the heart obviously is not, we are not talking about just your feelings. We are not talking about, uh, you know, just your emotions and all that. Uh, or your physical heart. But the the word heart in scripture is talking about the inner being. And it incorporates both the soul, the other words like soul and spirit and all that. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, that word heart is, even in the New Testament, you'll find the word heart comes in. So, you can take it as the, the non-material part of us, you know, not the physical part, but the non-material, our intellect, our thinking, our emotions, our feeling, our response to God, our spiritual aspect, everything comes out of the heart. So, these particular uh, activities of the heart, what the heart does, is all taken from different scriptures. You can take your Bible and uh, do... You know, ask him to find all the verses on heart and you'll find all these things are there. So, according to scripture, the heart is the one which even thinks. The heart is the one which believes. Heart discerns. Heart prays. Heart can become hard. Heart is the one which is lusting. Heart becomes proud and humble and heart can store things. In fact, Jesus said the evil in your heart, you have a store in your heart. It can be good things and bad things. And out of the evil store in your heart is what the evil comes out. That is what defiles us. And so, Proverbs 4.23 is talking about this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Very important for us. In Luke 6, Jesus says that it's out of the heart the mouth speaks, right? And the fruit... Uh, fruit comes from the root. The fruit and the root connection is there. The heart is active. It directs shapes and uh, shepherds our behavior. And this root and fruit uh, link is there. What is the root? Our, our desires, our passionate desires, our inclinations, our fears, our unbelief, all that which is there in the heart comes out in our behavior. Uh, in different ways. And then naturally, there will be consequences based on that. So, uh, this is a lot of this we teach in uh, biblical counseling to understand more in depth about all these issues. And the simple principles for ministry is the root and fruit relationship between our heart and our behavior. The heart controls everything I say and do. So lasting change takes place through the pathway of the heart. And in personal growth and ministry, heart change is always our goal. And uh, this is uh, what we uh, focus on in biblical counseling when we train people. And we have uh, modules to help people to know, understand this model, how we respond in different situations and how that affects us in our heart, what's going on inside there and practically implement for ourselves first, understand the model. And then we have another module, which says how to reach out to others. Uh, all Both these uh, modules are based on, based totally on scripture. And uh, that is part of what I do besides counseling uh, our training, we like to train people from churches and all of you are welcome to join our courses. If you let me know, be happy to tell you more about it. So let me stop over here and hand over back to Liju.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ashok, uh, for uh, giving us a broad overview uh, of the session. So maybe we have about <coughs> 15 minutes and I think what we'll do is Uh, Maybe uh, if there are any live questions, we can first take that Um, else I'll um, uh, bank on the Google form questions and last week's questions. In fact, there are a few and I can probably take that also in order. So let me just pause for about five to 10 seconds and uh, allow anyone who wants to ask a live question. okay so i guess there are no live questions and uh, let me just uh, uh, you know pick on last week's topic uh, uh, dr shok you know we were um, there was a specific question um, and again trying to understand this idea of um, what is a mental disorder or are some things that we do <clears throat> is, is, is that a mental disorder? So there is kind of a it's kind of a case question. Uh, it says a person is working from home for almost past two years and does not have any friends in the city except immediate family and few church members. Is it obvious for him to get angry sometime in small things, or is this some kind of uh, disorder? Disorder which needs attention.
1: Now, again, you see, now you asked that question last week. You can answer it from the perspective of a secular worldview, or I can answer it from a biblical worldview. Which one do you want? (laughs) I think we we would need a biblical uh, view. Yeah, so from what I shared today, you can immediately understand some of the core issues. When you understand that we are relational beings, And our relationship with God is important and our relationship with other people. So a person though, this is talking about a person who's sitting at home, It is if he's getting angry and upset is because problem with relationship with folks at home, the same old people, right? Same people every day. Now the challenge for us is how do we love that person, right? Loving one another practically is the real root issue. And it comes back to having a love relationship with Jesus and presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans 12. So when we don't do that often, and it, you know, like I said, we are meant to be union with Christ. That's the ideal. But most of the Christians, we function as I. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus. and I. Uh, go to church and do all the activities. So in my interactions, it's not the spirit who's God, uh, ruling my heart. If the spirit was ruling my heart, I would learn how to relate to other people in a much better way, isn't it? I would even if I get angry. You know, you, everybody gets angry because we are living in a fallen world. There's no one who doesn't get angry. Even God gets angry, but of course, that's righteous anger versus you know our self-centered. Most of our anger is self-centered. And what does anger say? It says, you are obstructing what I want. That is the root of anger. You know, I want my way. It's about my kingdom come. What is irritation is also saying? I want my way. You are disturbing my comfort. It's all about self. It's self-centeredness. right? More, in fact, uh, James says, James chapter 1 and verse, I think, 19 or 18. Uh, It says, No, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, James 1, 19 and 20. So, anger, 99% of our anger is unrighteous anger. If it is unrighteous anger, it is sinful anger. It is self-centered anger. And so, It is not something, Now, what Jesus said is what comes out of the mouth is what is coming from our heart. It is not the situation that makes me do it. What is in my heart is coming out. And what is in my heart was my desire for, let's say, peace and comfort. My desire for certain things, which is ruling my heart. And when my wife or my children come in between and irritate me, that anger comes out.
0: That's a um, you know it's 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 so it's very very sure that our circumstances don't determine our behavior in one sense, and usually I think you're right. What we want to do is, hey, it's because of you I'm behaving like this, right? And that's an easy <clears throat> scapegoat uh, to put it on someone, saying that I am originally good, <coughs> but because of you I'm I'm somebody else, right? <coughs> it, it just reminds us that uh, we design. Uh, to be dependent on the spirit and therefore love people whom we see daily uh, in our homes. So uh, thanks for that point. Another question uh, that came from last time. Um, Some of the symptoms, um, I think based on some of those manifestations that you showed for anxiety or depression, I think some of the uh, symptoms, one or more, are there in most people. Example, OCD. Now, when do these become a matter of concern? If we were to consider all these as uh, early signs, uh, then life wouldn't go on as usual. Where do we draw the line?
1: Yeah, when it comes to things like OCD, it's about cleanliness and all that, you know. Like you said, many of those things, a little bit is there in all of us because we live in this fallen world. Yeah, and people do that. It becomes an issue or a disorder when it affects your life and you can't function normally. That's why the mental health uh, or mental illness, you know, mental health uh, definition that is there uh, talks about being able to live a normal, what we call a normal productive life uh, with our relationships and with others and so on. If any of these conditions prevent you from doing your regular routine work, then it is an area of concern. See, you have mild depression, you feel sad, but you can still function well. But if it goes to a point where you don't get up, you don't eat, you don't talk to anybody, you're not able to go to work, then obviously it's an area of concern. Now, the whole issue again comes about what is normal and what is abnormal. Because we live in a fallen world and a lot of our thinking is secular, what we consider as normal The only normal human being was Jesus Christ. The way he functioned is the way that we are meant to function. We are meant to be image bearers. And Jesus came to show us how a normal human being is supposed to be. But none of us are in that sense normal like Jesus. We are in the process of being sanctified. So we know that Jesus, I mean, the word says that when we see him, we'll be like him. But till that point, we are in the process. And hopefully once you understand biblical uh, framework and the model properly you will know that every uh, area of our life whether it is marriage see marriage and parenting are two very core areas uh, where uh, you know a large chunk of our life is in in those two two areas you know but the way our secular framework is what we do is for our profession we spent five to seven years to study how to do our profession because we think this profession is what is going to give me my a lot of times our identity comes from our profession. Secondly, we also think the profession is what is going to feed us. But scripture says God is the one who says, I will provide. God is meant to be the sustainer and the preserver. I'm not saying you should not, you know, have professions and all that's also there within a Biblical framework, it has meaning and sense, but it has to be in a biblical framework where your identity is not from your occupation or from, you know, that shouldn't be the center of your life. Unfortunately, that becomes. And so, God becomes a periphery. And that is where the problem comes.
0: Correct. I think that's uh, well put. In How do we uh, look at these and how do we approach these? So, sometimes there is this idea of the OCD, the perfection, and I, I, I think you're right, And in, in our fallen nature, there are some elements of it that will that will remain and those are not to be too overtly concerned about. And I think you're looking at the symptoms when it becomes way too much, right, where we probably lose it with our uh, families, um, uh, you know, just, 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 just
1: get it overboard, yeah, you're right. So we should not
0: uh, be too excessively focused and yet uh, we must know where, 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 where.
1: When you go back to scripture, Jesus said that to pour two things is loving God with all your heart, mind and soul and loving your neighbor. Anything that prevents you from doing these two things is a problem. Is a problem. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Let me just uh, move on to a question that has come in today. Uh, So this is from the set of questions today. Number one, um, the first one is are psychiatric problems and
1: psychological
0: problems the same thing? So, what's the difference between psychiatry and
1: psychology? Yeah, see, the word psyche is uh, actually means soul in English. It's a Greek term, that's all. So, it's related to soul. And the difference is psychiatry, I mean, psychology is basically study of the soul. That's what it means. And so, uh, all types of studying behavior is called psychology, right? And uh, the current modern psychology will have also some part of neurology and neurophysiology is also taught along with behavior patterns and the types of behavior patterns and how people behave in different situations. Those are the type of things. Okay, Psychiatry goes a little bit more than sort of normal psychology to what we call abnormal psychology, what we call mental illness uh, and uh, trying to understand what You know, they don't have the answers to uh, all the reasons of why people do what they do. But psychiatry goes into also medication, the treatment part. So psychiatry is only the doctors. Only a doctor can be a psychiatrist. You have to do your MBBS. And after do do a post-graduation in psychiatry to be called a psychiatrist. Whereas psychologist is one who does BSc, MSc, MA, psychology. They, they do that. So, so, a psychiatrist will treat your illness and he uses medicines and he can use what is called psychotherapy or talk therapy. And there are various therapies that are used. So,
0: hmm. Okay. So, which means that whenever we want to evaluate whether we have depression, for example, hmm. it's always good to go to a psychiatrist first uh, more than a psychologist. Is, is that what you're saying? To evaluate yeah. you have a... Problem. Yes,
1: in terms of uh, treatment wise, obviously, the psychiatrist is the one who's going to treat you and who can evaluate you better than just a psychologist. psychologist okay. So, uh, you, you're saying diagnosis also, right? It's diagnosis?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. But okay. We have also clinical psychologists. So, hmm. they will help also in the diagnosis. So, in Nimhans and all that, for example, they have people who are more oriented towards the uh, disease part. There, the clinical psychologists will. They they are not allowed to prescribe medication. Okay. They do more of the talk therapy part of it. Okay, okay, okay. So they can also help you in these common conditions. They'll help you. Right. Great. Thanks. I think that's
0: uh, answered quite well. Um, the other question that, that, that has come in today: How can we maintain healthy boundaries when living with a patient with psychiatric disease? So that we ourselves don't get too affected, but at the same time, stay true to our commitment to love others as a Christian. Asking this, um, as I have seen extremes happening frequently, either psychiatric patients are either um, sent to harsh institutions, even though they are not violent, or family members staying and caring with themselves eventually develop depression, PTSD, etc.
1: Yeah. So, see, this again is uh, how we understand the cause of the symptoms. If we look at it from a biblical perspective, uh, we care for the person. Okay. We understand this person is a person created in the image of God. And he is struggling with certain issues. So, he is suffering also. He is suffering and he is struggling. And we view him with compassion and care for him in the way that we can. And in the old days, what people used to do is to go away from a person who is diagnosed with some uh, mental illness because we get scared by bizarre behavior. It always, anything which we don't know or is unexpected brings fear in us. So we have to remove that fear and understand that this person is a person created in the image of God and move towards the person rather than away. Now, as far as I mean, you know, psychiatric illness by itself is not infectious like you are. You can get COVID from another person, so it's never recommended that way. In fact, it's the other way around because any type of psychiatric uh, illness requires people; they need uh, support from family members. So, uh, fa- see, if a person who is all the time depressed will will talk negatively, uh, ideally you should get him you know, treated properly, whether it is psychotherapy, whether it is biblical counseling or whether it is medication, which may be required uh, so that he doesn't continue in that same state. So that that helps you. What will affect you is mainly when people keep saying negative things and all, and for you to keep yourself, uh, you know, sort of whole is your relationship with Jesus. A good biblical meditation, songs, the worshipping Jesus, allowing the compassion of Jesus to fill us, our identity in Christ, helps us then to reach out to others. We won't get, you know, you know, put down by what other people do to us.
0: Right. Okay. Good. We are at the uh, top of the hour. Uh, it's 12.30. Uh, thank you, uh, Brother Rashwuk, for this session. And we have... Uh, Definitely, Doctor Ashok, we have a lot of questions. So, what we'll do is we have reserved that for uh, next week, um, and we will cover all of those questions. In the meanwhile, uh, Church, based on today's presentation um, and the approach on uh, the biblical, uh, you know, view, uh, if you have any questions or queries, please uh, post that in, and uh, we will also get that answered uh, next week. Right? So, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead, Doctor Ashok.
1: Yeah, I was just saying that. This uh, biblical understanding it takes a while. It's not easy for us to understand it because we are so used to a secular way of thinking. To turn our thoughts inward, it's, everything is there in scripture, uh, but right. you have to reorient yourself for that.
0: Correct, correct, and I, th- I think it will take a while. Uh, uh, we we'll, we are always on the journey to get there, right, uh, Doctor Ashwa, Can I request you to close in prayer and? And if you could pray for
1: the church. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just worship you this morning time and thank you once again for your word and for your son and all that you mean to us. Lord, I know that you love each one of us and you want to draw us closer to you. I just pray that the truths of your word would become real to each one of us that we may experience the joy and the peace that comes from having that relationship with you on a daily basis, even within our family situations, in our work situations, so that we may all become more and more image bearers in, in the situations in which you have placed us. Pray for each member of the church, their families, their struggles, the challenges that they face, and we pray that the peace of God would guard each of their hearts in this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Dr. Ashok. Thank you, everyone. Have a good uh, lunch and have a good week ahead.